welcome to episode 43 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name's Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with 20 years of experience that likes to help people learn more about video game development. Today I'm joined by Aaron Hamilton Cook. He's a senior producer at Certain Affinity. He's worked on games like World of Tanks, Witcher 3, and currently Halo Infinite. He also has a ton of experience in casino games, which I love learning more about. Don't forget you can join the conversation live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. There's a link in the show notes if you want to come get your questions answered live next time. But for now, let's get this episode started. So how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Working hard? Uh, Early working? Yeah, I mean, I, I took like two weeks of PTO very recently so like came back from that right into like closing down a milestone nice (laughs) Uh, yeah so yeah that's always fun good though that's nice i'm a big proponent of taking your pto like i do not end a year with any unused pto ever and encourage everyone to do so yeah the only time that i've ever banked it was i knew i was going to be leaving a place and i wanted the extra pay uh, Other than that, I've totally sure. taken PTO yeah. as much as possible. That one I get. That one I understand. But yeah, any, if, especially if it's PTO you're going to lose. I've, so many people I've known in this industry just lose PTO. They're like, well, I, I'll try and use some by the end of the year. I'm like, all right, first of all, you're not planning this well enough. You need to be using <laughs> this throughout the year. Like, take every Friday off for a couple of months. Do something like that. You know, like, do something to recharge, man, because you need yeah, it. Yeah, or, or take a bunch of half days and, like, come in late on days where you don't have a bunch of meetings or people aren't counting on you or anything. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's definitely ways to, even if you feel busy, there's definitely ways to, to use your PTO and you should. It recharge yeah, is really important. Sure. Where did Aaron get the multiple guitar stand? That's awesome. I got that from Sweetwater. It's made by, I think it's like live sound or something like that. All right. Yeah. What's up, Executives? How you doing, buddy? And we got still people still rolling in. But uh I think we're ready to start our conversation, man. All right, sounds good. I've already taken my first shot. Uh, oh, I'll take my first sip. Nice, there you go. I've got one more in the queue, so that means there's more available for those that want to contribute to that with your channel points. But yeah. Let's uh let's start with young Aaron, teenager starting to think about what he's going to do with his life. Did you have any idea at that point what you wanted to be? Yeah, I think I went through like a few different things. I wanted to be a veterinarian for a while. Nice. Um, a, a few things broke that for me. The biggest one being like, oh, people can't afford to take care of their animals, and so you have to put them down. Mm. It's like, mm, I'm not about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> – I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's, that's got to change your soul at some point. Like, that's just, I, I don't know if I can do that on a daily basis uh, uh. or even any kind of regular cadence. Um, yeah, and for a while I wanted to be a like a correspondent, like a journalist. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, and then I, I took like a journalism class in high school and was like, this is not for me um <laughs> that's good like that it's really yeah. nice when you can get that experience early on and be like nope <laughs> yeah yeah it was it was the 
I, I don't know what it was about it. It just it just didn't appeal to me. Um, yeah, and I, like the the kind of correspondence I wanted to do isn't something you could do in high school. Like I wanted to do uh, combat correspondence and and be in the field with uh, people talking about like war and things. And oh. yeah, and I was like I was our sports reporter for the high school newspaper. Very different, but enough enough of a glimpse to be like, nah, I don't I don't want to do this. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't I don't think I landed on games until uh I was going through undergrad and oh, wow. I worked on a game for the first time and I was like, This is the shit. This is the thing. I'm doing this. There you go. Yeah. So so as you were finishing up high school, what was your plan? So you, you did you go to a traditional university? Uh, from no, I went to uh, I went into the military, so I okay. served in the Air Force for a couple of years. Um, got out with a medical discharge, uh, and then I went and I worked in music for about a year uh, as like a session musician, tracking engineer. Um, oh, okay. And that that was kind of what helped kind of guide and steer me to full sail. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you did you come to full sail for your bachelor's and master's? Okay, I didn't. I yeah. thought you just went for your master's. Okay, no, so what no, bachelor's uh, did you do? I did the recording arts bachelor's and then the game design master's. Okay, uh, okay, yeah. It was one of those things. Like I had enough uh, with my GI Bill to go ahead and get my master's as well. And I was looking into like, all right, how do you do audio for games? And you know, what does the career path look like? Uh, and was seeing like, okay, to get to like those upper levels, like audio director and stuff, you need to kind of have an advanced degree to uh, have the management kind of background right let's go ahead and get that now and then got exposed to human factors stuff and that was really cool um and for a while i thought i wanted to be a research director and like that was going to be the thing i aspired to uh and then got really in the weeds on production and 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 saw how fun that could be and like right out of right out of school, I was I was mostly doing human factors work um, and, and doing like user experience research and uh, a little bit of design. And it it uh, I was getting really frustrated having had that little bit of production training, mm -hmm. seeing people that weren't doing like basic things like burn down charts, didn't know how to maintain a backlog. And I was like, yeah, OK, well, there's an opportunity for me to step in here and help out. Um, so that that was kind of what drove that. Okay. So let, yeah. let let's back up just a little bit because I want to talk about sure. as you are. So you're in the recording arts program, right? Which that's mm -hmm. that's full on. Like I'm learning how to mix records, right? Like you're you're on the console, right? Or is mostly? That, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very that that program is very music focused. Um, there's a little bit of like, hey, you can do stuff for film too. Also, there's games. Right. Yeah. And so when you were doing that, like, or let's say as you're finishing that, right, you, that's still kind of your goal at that point is to do music. Um, yeah. When I, when I first came to full sale, it was very much like, I want to be, I want to find a way to like own a small little studio okay. and do tracking and mixing. Okay. And so then when you yeah. finished your, your bachelor's, the, the advanced degree you thought would steer you in the direction toward doing what you wanted to do with music, right? So that was kind of your initial goal? No, it was it was at like 
so I went I went initially for music, and then uh, I don't remember what month it was or, or at what point in the program. Uh, Tom Todia had a class on doing sound for games. Mm-hmm. It was called like Advanced Interactive Audio or something like that. Um, and went through that and was like, this is this is amazing. Like, <laughs> of course, this needs sound as well. Like everything needs sound. Um, yeah, and I fell in love with that, and uh, that was it. Was that class that steered me into into games and wanting to do more with games? And my my mentality kind of shifted uh, with the things I was doing and the portfolio I was putting together and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, okay, well over halfway into the program, I feel like maybe maybe three quarters of the way in. Yeah, that class is near the end, best I best mm-hmm. I remember hearing. So then, as you're finishing up and you're starting now to decide about the the bachelors. What made you choose game design, and then, and then as you're doing that, talk a little about what the what tracks were available at that point? Because I don't I don't remember which ones were available, or what you're what you were considering, or like what your thought process was at least. Yeah, so I was thinking about, um, okay, the game industry is crazy competitive. Do I try to get a bachelor's in film and just bail on the whole game thing and try mm. to be something in film? Uh, and, and I was like, well, that's another bachelor's degree. Does it make sense for me to have two bachelors? Um, which to anybody who has two bachelors or is thinking about pursuing that, there's nothing wrong with it. I I just was in my own head about stuff. Uh, and then, uh, it was between game design or entertainment business. Mm. And I, I was kind of weighing the two and talking to the different program directors, uh, and, Entertainment business seemed at the time to be very focused on uh, entrepreneurial uh, kind of pursuits and, okay. and starting your own business. And uh, if, if like I wanted to start a record label, that would be the direction I went. Okay. Um, but I understood enough about games to know how expensive it was, to know how grueling it could be, to know I didn't want to start my own game studio. Um, not fresh out of grad school with right. no idea how to actually pull any of this stuff together. So uh, Robin Komen, uh, who's the program director for uh, the game design master, she, we had, we had some great conversations that helped convince me to, to go through that program and that track. Okay. Yeah. And so when you were making that choice production, like what steered you into production? Cause you just felt like the organizational aspect of it was, was a benefit. Um, it, within the master's program or, yeah, or, yeah. Yep. yeah, it was, uh, at, at some point I, I kind of had a mentality shift from bachelor's to master's bachelor's. I was very focused on like my GPA and in my master's, I was focused just on learning as much as possible. Okay. Um, and, and I was seeing like there was a lot of the the production stuff that was just helping me in my daily life, uh, and, and that's part of what kind of pulled me into it more was just the like, you know, understanding personality theory and and how to communicate with people and uh, getting a better understanding of like ways to organize things and to keep to keep you know just volumes of information. Uh, really well organized and detailed so that you can get to them easily and 
and have you know quick reference guides and and whatever um, that you would normally put together for a team. Like you can do those things for yourself to mm. to improve your daily life. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I had struggled with ADHD my whole life and had a really hard time focusing on things. I still do to this day, honestly. Um, yep, I get have that. A, <laughs> yeah, have a hard time like focusing, paying attention. Uh, sometimes relating to people, it felt like. Uh, and I was learning a lot of skills through the production track that were really fascinating to me. So that's ultimately what pulled me back in. Okay. So as you're finishing up your time in the Masters, what are you now, like, what's your focus? What are you hoping to do, like, right out of the gate? Right out of grad school, what was I hoping yeah, to do? Yeah, yeah. Like, what was your kind of I plan? I just wanted to land a paying gig. Like, yeah. I was. <laughs> that's a great, that's the right idea. <laughs> yeah. I I applied anywhere and everywhere I thought I could get in. I think I sent out probably three to 500 applications. Oh, wow. These are all the game studios like, at I this point? I set myself a quota. I was like, I got to get, you know, this number in per day, and uh, they have to be custom resume, cover letter. Um, need to reach out to somebody at the company, like very, very like process oriented. Like I set up a, a, I basically set up a production pipeline for applying to positions. Okay. Yeah. And were the, were they all game industry positions at this point? Uh, no, I was applying to, um, to AAA, indie studios, uh, slots, military and medical okay. simulation, uh, FinTech, anything and everything where I thought, I could add value to an organization. Okay. So now yeah. you're talking about a, a lot of, of resumes, right? Like this is, you know, a, mm -hmm. you're, you're put, you've got a quota. I, I love this, this mentality, right? Because for, for people that especially have ADHD and anxiety and things like that, having a plan where you can check things off is a really good idea. Right. And so you, you feel accomplished when you're like, Oh, I got my five applications out today or whatever that number is. So, but from that process, what did you like, how, how did it feel day to day? Like, and kind of what, what level of response were you getting? Man, it was, it was really low. Um, it, I, so I was, I was working at like a guitar center, um, helping sell pro audio gear because undergrad and recording arts, it was an easy kind of in. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, the responses I was getting back were really low. It was one of those things where have, having that process and having like, okay, I need to get in, I think my number was like eight. I need to get in eight applications a day. Mm -hmm. Uh, it made it easy to log off when I felt, when I felt like I hit that threshold. That's good. Yeah. Um, cause it was like, cool. I did, I, I hit the number I was setting for. I'm spent. I just want to go lay down and play Skyrim or, or watch a movie or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's then, exhausting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but then on the, you know, on the days where I had the extra energy, it was like, I could do more. I can, I can go a little further. Okay. Um, so it, it, yeah. Uh, it, it, having that kind of system in that structure was really helpful. Um, the other thing that I did too, is I had like a master resume. So it was like, this is all inclusive. And then I would cherry pick and, and pare it down for ah, specific applications. Nice. Yeah. And I had a, I had a cover letter template. Um, so it was like, first paragraph is this second paragraph, talk about these things. Um, and it, it was just prompts to kind of 
talk about things. Um, and it, it forced me to uh, read through the job descriptions in a different way mm -hmm. uh, and more thoroughly. And it forced me to learn more about the company, trying to put together, you know, these, these one-off uh, cover letters. And through that process, I would discover things about a company where I'm like, I don't, I don't actually think I should work here. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that I'd be a good fit or I don't think that, um, you know, you're going to be in a good position a year from now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, it was really helpful to kind of go through that. And that was where I first learned the whole idea of <clears throat> when you're interviewing a company or sorry, when a company's interviewing you, you're interviewing them as well. Absolutely. That's yeah. really important. It's like, that's one of the things that I always talk to people about is it, you need to know that you're going to excel there. You may not know completely, right? But you need to know, you need to feel good about it. You need to at least f go in optimistically and not just, oh, they're going to pay me to do work. You need to, you need to know a little bit about what you're getting into. Yeah. Yeah. You need to, yeah. Cause there's some places where like the, the, the IP could be really cool. The work could be really cool, but the culture is terrible and yeah. you don't want to be in that grind. Yeah. And you know, one of the big things I like to ask is like, tell me what a normal day is like. Cause then when oh, you hear something one. like, like, well, we clock in at 8 AM. What do you mean clock in? You know, like, like there's, there's, yeah. these, you know, these, <laughs> these different things are you like, <laughs> yeah. you can pick up little bits on, Oh, that doesn't sound right. Or that doesn't sound good. I worked yeah. one place that we had to sign in and put the time we came in every day and out and for lunch. So they wanted, they were like, micromanaging time, making sure we got our 10 to 12 hours in. And that was, it, it, that just feels awful. Yeah. Right. Like there's yeah, nothing good about that. Yeah. I've, I've been a few places like that. Never in, in, in tech or in games, but I've, I've worked a few places like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Clover just brought up, he says, sometimes you get lied to about what you're doing though, or you, you get hired to get moved to another department or another project, things like that. I, I would say it's probably less often you're getting lied to and more often just the needs changed, you know, like think that we know how often the needs change in this industry, but it's true. Like you, even in the interview, you may find out something or hear something that's not the way you expected later on for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've definitely encountered that everywhere I've been. Yeah. Um, Cause everybody, you know, just like you're trying to put your best foot forward, they're trying to put their best foot forward. Yeah. So they're not always uh, forthcoming about, Hey, these are all the problems that we have, and like, here's all our skeletons. It, isn't this a lovely place to work? Like, nobody does that. Right. right. So. <laughs> so we got a question from B Gamer in the chat. It says uh, he's doing the same thing. He's applying to hundreds of studios and currently working at my local Target. My question is, how did you avoid getting frustrated with not getting ninety nine percent of the jobs you applied for? Um, I mean, I definitely did. Uh, I. You know, I distinctly remember applying to uh, one company and having a friend that worked there that was advocating for me. And like, I, I was like, I'm checking all the boxes. I'm doing all the things. Um, and I, I was really excited to work there. I got to the final round of interviews. And then it was between me and a guy that had been inter interning there for like six months. Oh. <laughs> uh, and it's like, well, we know this guy, we don't know this other guy. So we're going to go with the guy we know, man. That, um, that means so much though. Like, yeah. 
and even in the other thing I tell people that, I mean, in that scenario, you almost know you're not going to get it right. Yeah. If the guy that's interning is decent enough to get that far in the process, they know he's capable of doing the job, right? You'd have mm-hmm. to completely knock it out of the park, most likely to, to leapfrog him. But on the adverse side, that, that <clears throat> in you had is usually enough, right? Because whenever they're looking at a stack of resumes and they don't know anything about any of them, any recommendation from someone they trust is enough to be like, okay, this person goes to the top, the top of that stack. Now let's go from there. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Yeah, that one was really kind of soul-crushing and disheartening. Um, I, I think... Uh, yeah, I don't know how... I, I think it was just pure perseverance. It wasn't necessarily like... You know, I'm, I'm sure there was a fair bit of alcohol involved uh, <laughs> getting over the, the hard rejections. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and and there would be some where, like, I would apply and I'd be like, yeah, I'm I'm at, like, the final stage. And then they start asking me questions and I'm like, oh, wait, you need you need somebody with an engineering background, don't you? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, not your guy. Hey, idiot fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So they're there or like, oh, you need somebody who like really understands 3D art. And they're like, they're like, yeah, we're looking for, you know, somebody who can like re- redo our whole shotgun pipeline. And I'm like, oh, man, I would love to do it. There's going to be a ramp up period. And just being honest with people, because uh, the like, my my general rule of thumb is like, if I think I can fake it for three months, like sure, yeah, right. I'm all in. Yeah. But if it, yeah. if it's like, no, there's there's a lot that I'm gonna have to figure out, and like, I'm not gonna be able to get up to speed fast on this. Like, this is gonna be a full a full year of uh, on the job learning. Yeah. Uh, and that's, if it's something you actually I'm, want to do and would be comfortable doing, right? Like that's <laughs> being yeah. able to do it is different than like being efficient and, and proficient at mm-hmm. something, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I was always really honest with, with various people. And I think that that, uh, about what my limitations were. And part of that is just being honest with yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it really helped the second time that I went looking for work where I applied to places. They're like, no, 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 no. If he says he can do it, like, we should we should at least go through the process with him because last time he was like nope that's not me i'm not that person like i you know thank you for the opportunity but i i know we're not going to move forward from here yeah yeah that's good that's important it's it's part of that you interviewing them process too right you want to make sure you are going to be a good fit there as much as you know the the situation is good for you on on the other side as well so yeah. uh, Clover in the chat also said getting ghosted is the worst. Like that, that really sucks. We're like, yeah, we'll get back to you next week. And then like a month later, you just haven't heard anything again. Yeah. I mean, that used to be very frustrating for me uh, until I found myself in the hiring manager seat and realized I, I was able to kind of humanize and empathize with what they might be going through. Mm-hmm. Like recruiters have to coordinate probably a dozen people all of whom are constantly in meetings and like, yeah, we need to hire this person and we've needed to hire them three months ago, but I have a discussion that's far more important right now than hiring somebody to, to backfill for this position or to get a new material artist or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, how hiring can be 
as much as you want to hire people and, and give people great jobs and great places to work, like it can just kind of steadily work its way down the list as other things come up. Yeah. Um, and it's not a, it's not a, like, we don't care about this candidate. It's, we just have bigger problems in this moment. Yeah. And big gamer just asks, how do you know if they're a good fit for you? And that, that's a really tough question. I think really what you're, at least what I tend to look for is red flags, right? Things that, let me know they're not a good fit where, you know, if like, like I mentioned before, if they're like really nitpicky on, on hours and micromanagey type stuff, like that's, that's not agency, right? Like that's not like letting people yeah. do and, and, and work within confine, you know, within the, the role that they've been given instead, it's like, you know, making sure are you doing this thing the way we expect you to do it at this particular time in this particular way. It's like, that's, that's not the right mentality in my idea. Like, I think most companies are like, Hey, you are a responsible adult that, <laughs> that has signed up for this amount of work that we know you're capable of go do that work. Right. And like that, I think that's, it's where you should start, you know, with that kind of conversation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's, um, it is definitely the scientific method of like, try to disprove that this is a good opportunity, right? right? Like look for those red flags. Um, but then, uh, you know, a, a relatively easy thing to do if, if you're not sure what those red flags are, uh, or you haven't figured out what those are for you, um, is take, it takes, a you know, a little bit of time to assess what are the values that you have that, that matter to you? What are the, the, the ideals and the principles that you aren't willing to waver on and, look at how those match up with the company yeah. and ask, you know, Hey, you know, you guys put together company values, which, which ones matter to you. And some people probably haven't read all of the company values that you're going to talk to, but you know, the, if they haven't, they'll probably answer with their own. And if those are in line with yours, then it's a good sign. And if they're directly opposed to yours, then that's a very bad sign. Yeah. Um, they, there's probably going to be a little bit of gray area there where like it's tangential or uh, is in some way different, um, but isn't like in direct opposition. Yeah. And and I think a good early, like it, the truth is you, you can't be probably as picky when you're looking for your first job, right? Like you're probably going to, sure. you're probably not going to get into the greatest situation ever in your first job. Right. So there's a Unless bit of Mark Kilborn. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> So, but you, there are things you can ask and you always should ask. And I always ask the same questions to everybody I interview with, because if you see a pattern, that's a really good thing. Cause then people are generally on the same page and are te probably telling you the right things. Um, but I'm always like, tell me what a normal day is like. I think I mentioned this before. That's a good one. Yeah. And, and so then you get an idea of like, what time do they come in? Do they work late? Do that? You know, like what, what's the. You know, the, those kind of things, like what's a lunch break like, you know, like where are you, how many meetings are you in? You know, that you get an idea of like where they're, what they feel is important and that, that can tell you a lot. Yeah. One, one of my go-tos is that I ask everybody is what are, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Mm, that's a good one. Um, but like I'm a producer, so I'm going to be the person trying to help solve that problem. So it's, it's, it works for me. I don't know if it would come across the same way for you. No, it's, I think it's a good um, question. Like, and that, that's yeah. also the kind of question where someone's going to think about it themselves. They're going to give you an answer. It's you're going to get an answer from them, right? Like, yeah, they, they'll think about that. Like, Oh, I'm usually trying to solve this kind of problem. You know, and that's, I think that that is important. 
Yeah, or the um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I've gotten some some interesting responses to that where they're like, the 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 most I think kind of compelling answer that I ever got from that was uh, I was interviewing for for an opportunity I ultimately didn't get. It was with this major IP, huge franchise, um, and they talked about the the gravity and the weight of making a sequel in this franchise that is so beloved and like like the problem they're trying to solve is making sure that they don't mess that up that they mm. don't have a misstep that they they deliver on fan expectations and and it got into like this really real conversation about uh just like the responsibility that you feel when you get to work on a big franchise and and how crushing that can feel yeah yeah Man, that's that's a big expectation too. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. that's tough. That's tough. It's a uh, it's it it can be hard to hear from fans that just kind of like something. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Let yeah. alone the the passionate like, oh man, how could you you ruined my childhood by making this change? And like, man, yeah, it's just yeah. That's why I don't. That's why I don't look at the comment section on anything. I just oh, it's so rough, man. I. And Twitter is killing me too. Like I, I, I've had to stop kind of reading responses to things because people are just out of their minds. Everybody's so entitled these days and they have no appreciation for what anyone yeah. else puts into anything. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's a, it's, it's weird how that has become an across the board, like pan generational thing, right? Like, it used to be a thing you grew out of and now some people have grown back into it. It's just really, or never grew out of it. And yeah. now they have a megaphone. I don't know. Yeah. So let's see. So B gamer said, I think someone who's motivated to go after their career ambitions while working somewhere you don't love says a lot about someone's character. What do you think about that? Um, I could take that a couple ways. So if it's, they're trying to climb the ladder within the organization that they don't love. Um, less ideal, right? <laughs> less ideal. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I've, I've had, uh, let me just, let me just give a story. And I think that's, it, it may summarize how I feel about it. Uh, so was working with an extremely talented engineer at scientific games uh, he was like a senior lead uh, engineer and really sharp, really competent, um, really kind of like charming guy. And uh, it, it was one of those things where like he had these really high expectations for people and he he felt like some people weren't living up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, members of his team and, and outside of our studio and, and within the organization as a whole. Uh, like he had really high coding standards and, and all this stuff. Um, and he kept, you know, talking about career advancement and talking about the kinds of things that he wants and the kinds of things he wants to see within the organization and the kind of organizational change he's looking for. And uh, it, it kind of quickly became a discussion of, and by quickly, I mean over a couple weeks, uh, it, it evolved into this discussion of like, hey, man, like, I don't think you're happy here. And I'm like, you're a great employee. I'm not going to like force you out or fire you or anything, but like, you should 
I think you should apply somewhere else because I think you need to change a pace. Mm. I think you've just been yeah. here too long and I think you're burned out here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was like within a month he had a job uh, at like, I think Amazon or something like that, making double or triple what he yeah. was making with <laughs> us because they have more money than God. Uh, yeah, he, he like reached back out uh, a little bit later and thanks me for that. But like, it, it was, it was very much like, dude, if you're not, you're, you're not doing your best work and you're coasting and it's still solid. So like, I'm not going to say anything, but like right. you're capable of more. Yeah. Um, that means you a either lot. Need to fig- <laughs> yeah. Like you either need to figure out how to, how to like refine your passion here, which is, uh, I don't, I don't know that that's going to happen. Cause you're not like, you're not feeling hateful. You're just indifferent. Like yeah. that's, that's going to be hard to, to get anything to work with. So it was very yeah. much a, like, you should probably go somewhere else where you can dive into the weeds on some of the more complex, like coding things that you want to do and pursue. Yeah, man. If apathy sucks, if you're not feeling challenged, yeah. you're not going to do your best work, you know, like, and you're, and you're not going to be happy. Like, Mm-hmm. And you can sustain that for a while, maybe even a long while, as long as, you know, your your needs are being met and all that kind of stuff. But I think in these creative industries, the people that tend to do this are, are there for a challenge, right? They want to do cool things. Mm-hmm. They want to improve themselves. At least they, I would hope that's the case. And man, it's that that's uh, that's awesome that you were able to do that for him, because that's that's a that's a big deal for especially for his long term, you know, enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know. We, we were able to have like a couple harder conversations and I think that's what opened the door for it. Like the thing that initially sparked that was I was like heading home from the night, going through the studio, telling everybody bye. Uh, and, and I think it was like, I don't even think it was like a weekend. I think it was like a Wednesday or something. Um, and he like stops me as I like grab my bag. He's like, "Hey, do you have a minute to chat about something?" I was like, "Yeah, can we walk and talk?" Uh, and so we were. He was like, "Yeah," and you know, kind of we're kind of like walking through the studio. And he was like, "So I'm I'm curious, like, what do you do to like deal with depression?" And I was like, "Okay, just yeah, throw my like, <laughs> that's not a walk and talk. No, that's not a that's not a quick discussion. Like, let's grab a discussion room. Let's yeah, have a, let's have a conversation." Um, so I, I think just being able to him feeling comfortable enough to open up to me about that struggle and then me being able to hear him and, and have a discussion with him about it, I think uh, opened that door for us to kind of get to that place where we could have that, that discussion. That's great, man. That's, that's really great. So we've, we've kind of jumped around a little bit. I want to, I want to back up just a little bit and talk about, like your first, like how, what was your first job coming out? You've been singing out all these resumes. What was the thing that hit that, that ended up being that first job for you and kind of how did that go? Um, so the very first job was, I was like a project coordinator. It's like a mini producer. You're not, you're not fully into production. You're just kind of dipping your toes in. Okay. Um, I was doing that for a company called Riptide Software uh, the way that I got that job was I was working at Guitar Center. Their director for e-learning came through, and his kids were knocking over guitars and breaking stuff. <laughs> and he was like, I'm so sorry. Here's my card. Um, actually, can I have your card? And, like, took it back from me. And I was like, yeah, here we go. Um, 
and he, he was like looking at it on the car ride home and, and called me from his cell and was like, hey, you've got like scrum and project management. What are you doing working at Guitar Center? I was like, tough economy. He's like, well, <laughs> we could use somebody like that. Do you have, and it, it purely came down to the fact that like his kids were tearing up everything and I was just chill. <laughs> and he was like, that's what we need in, in people who work in production. Like I need, I need that within our team. Um, and so he, I sent him my resume. We, we did a couple interviews. Uh, and then I worked there for a few months. Uh, and then the government shutdown happened in 2013. And, uh, you know, being military contractor, they, you know, sequestration happens, funding goes away and you can't afford to keep everybody on staff anymore. So, uh, I got laid off and cleaned pool filters at Disney world for a couple months until I landed at design interactive. Uh, wait, wait a minute. A, <laughs> what yeah. do you mean clean pool filters at Disney? What what was that? Like Yeah. Do you they, mean like they, like at uh, the swimming pools, like at the hotel? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. At the <laughs> the All Star Resort or okay. something like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It was just like I I need I need a paycheck. I, dude, um, I love it. Like I always tell people you gotta you gotta pay your bills while while you're yeah. trying to figure out what to do. But just don't let the, the bill paying job distract you from the focus of doing ultimately what you want to do. Yeah, I made a point to, maybe foolishly, I made a point to get low-paying jobs that I knew I wouldn't want to keep. Where, like, while I was job hunting for other things, it was very much like I want to, I want to get something that I can easily walk away from. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, the people who are working here as a career, like that's fine, but like we're we're not on the same wavelength with with what we want out of life and the kinds of discussions that we're gonna have, and then. Um, and the, and the people who, you know, are also just out of school, it's just a job for the summer or whatever it, 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 you know, at least we're in line and we're kind of motivating each other to push ourselves away from wherever we're at. Yeah. It was, it was very much like just pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. So then how did this next opportunity come up then? Um, how did it come up? I think it was... So it was uh, Adams, who used to work at Full Sail. Now he's a research director for Activision, I think. Yeah, I believe so. Um, he had worked at Design Interactive before. Uh, I, I reached out to him and let him know, like, hey, I'm looking. Like, if you know of any place. Um, and he was like, oh, well, this company I used to work for, they're looking for somebody. They just lost a research associate. I was like, yeah, I'll do it. It sounds great. <laughs> um like I need, I need something that's like real industry experience that I can, I can leverage to get the job I ultimately want, whatever right. that ends up being, right? Um, but you, you know, I gotta, I gotta have some, some wear on the tires before people take me seriously. And, uh, yeah, he reached out and was like, "Hey, you should, like, I'm gonna pass along one of my students, or you know, he's graduated now. I'm gonna pass along his resume." Um. And then uh, they were like, okay, yeah, sure, sounds great. They they looked it over, called me in. Uh, we had some discussions. I think the thing that helped get me the job there was the military experience because mm-hmm. having veterans on staff looks good when you're, you know, putting bids in and, and whatnot. So it, it helped kind of soften the blow of me not having tons of tangible experience. And then... Um, yeah, I just remember uh, 
I, I asked when I got there, like, what was it, like, what what did I do right? Like, I just want to know what I can replicate in the future. Uh, and uh, my boss said he was like, it's two things. Your every bullet on your resume was was like measurable, like you're you're detail oriented. That came across through that. And I called Adams and asked, what did he think of you? Because I saw full cell all over your resume. And he said, if I didn't hire you, I would regret it. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, that's what you that's, want in your corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah. Um, so that one was sheer just networking, I feel like, that got me that one. Honestly, I feel like every job, it's been networking that's really helped me cross the finish <laughs> it's line. It's the number one thing. Like, it, it really yeah. is. It really is. And, you know, most of the time, and that's the thing I try to tell people, too, is, like, networking is super important. It's all about building relationships, though, right? Like, you, what happened there with Adams was you just getting to know him, him seeing what you're capable of, and then someone asked him about you, right? Like, that's... Yeah. That's really all it is. You didn't go, hey, man, can you give me a reference over here? Right? Like it was the thing came up, you were thought of, and then he was asked like that. That's the way it kind of goes. It's conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of put myself in there a little bit. It was just I, I didn't say, can you get me a job anywhere? I said, do you know anybody who's hiring? Yeah. Which is a very different kind of ask. Right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And he he had some friends that were looking and he wanted to help his friends out. So. Uh, and thought that I could do that. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, absolutely. Yeah, and and the thing I always try to, to make sure people understand is you you don't lead a new connection with that kind of ask, right? Mm -mm. Like, it's, it's all about building that friendship first. And it is. It's just a friendship. That's all you should be thinking about is getting to know someone, letting them get to know you. And then at some yeah. point, you'll be comfortable saying, hey, I'm looking or they'll say, oh, I heard about this thing that I think you would like or might be interested in. So, Yeah, yeah. I never, I don't even think about any kind of transactional. Yeah. Oh, I need to know this person because they worked on this. Or it's it's just like, oh, they seem cool. We should, we should grab a beer sometime and like, I want to pick your brain about stuff. That's it. Yeah. And, and that stuff is rarely game stuff. It's like, oh, you know so much about Marvel Comics. Like, can I can we talk about this? Like it's, yeah, it's the, the non work related things that I typically bond over with people. I didn't know you're a Marvel like, comics guy. We gotta, oh, have, yeah. we gotta have some more conversations. Yeah. I'm, re I'm reading through, uh, I'm reading through all of the, the Spider-Man symbiote stuff right now. So I'm, okay. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a huge Spidey fan. So, and the symbiotes are my favorite enemies of his. So it, they're, they're good. Yeah. I'm, do, uh, do you, do you have Marvel unlimited? I do. Yeah. Through? Yeah. And I just got to where go. scream, scream becomes a thing uh so the mm -hmm. third symbiote and uh, like i yeah. know about anti-venom and you know uh and and the rest but i'm you know i've just now gotten to that point so yeah oh I i'm excited for you there's some good stuff there yeah and then i've been yeah. recommended to read back in black because the symbiote spider-man is like my favorite character of all time so uh -huh. i've I, so i'll get to that after that as well so i'm pretty excited yeah, I'm a big uh, Doctor Strange okay. uh, nerd. Yeah, yeah, and that because it gets so weird. Does it's it? It's just like <laughs> I haven't it read gets much so of his. Weird. Yeah. I love it. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I always like recommendations because I there's there were so many so many superheroes right in, in Mar and I'm I'm ninety percent Marvel, ten percent DC. Like I like a little bit of DC, 
that I'm a major yeah, like, Marvel guy. I like Green Lantern, Blackest Night. Uh, that whole arc was mm-hmm. really fun, but um, yeah, there. I don't know. DC doesn't have the same vibe as Marvel all the time. So yeah. Yeah. Ooh, we just got an interesting question. I think I'm not super memorable in my interactions with people, and I don't know how to fix that. Any suggestions? Ooh. I don't. Oh man. <laughs> um. I so I'll say real quick. I sure. think this is a question you need to ask people who know you really well, because like what what I like to do is is talk to people that are good friends of mine, family, instructors, people that have had you know real real interactions with me and ask them what stands out about me to you, right? Like what, what do you think my strengths are? Cause then those are things you should lean into. Whatever your strengths are is what you should really lean into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great answer. I want to piggyback that with, uh, there's this thing called intentional practice. Mm. So you basically target your weakest areas because that's where you have the most opportunity for growth. Right, like growth growth is very much like a a very steep kind of incline and then it levels off pretty fast, right? And once you start to level off it it you can still have room to grow there, but it's uh far more incremental. Um and so if you're if you're able to, you know, with that discussion with your friend figure out okay, what are the things that I'm not so good at, you mm-hmm. can maybe work on those as well. Yep. Yeah, um, I agree. And and vastly improve in those areas while you're still leaning into the things that you're solid at already. Um, yeah, I would just, I would focus on trying to be authentic though. Not don't try to be memorable. Don't try to like, I don't know, just authentic's the right way. I agree. Yeah. Cause if it, you are authentic, thing, you want them to know you, right. And you want to know yeah. the best parts of you, but you want them to know you. The, the other thing that I would say that because it's so rare uh, is very memorable is being grateful and, and showing gratitude. Yeah. Um, I don't, we, we both know Leslie, he's a huge deal in his industry, but I don't think I would have remembered him if it weren't for the fact that I saw him in the hotel lobby, uh, at the end of hall of fame, going up to every single member of staff and thanking them for a wonderful week and taking care of everybody's needs. And like just that level of gratitude, I was like, Oh, no wonder he's successful. Like, you're doing stuff like that like everybody would want to work with you yeah so um and and like you don't have to do it to that degree or or anything but just you know practicing gratitude i think uh goes a long way as well i agree yeah yeah that's that is a big one and and another common practice people have is you know sending thank yous after interviews and things like that i think those are good practices um like truly just saying hey thank you so much for you know taking the time to talk to me uh, you know, I appreciate that. And, and not being like, Hey, do you guys know when you're going to have an answer? You know, like, don't, don't have an ask in there. Literally just show your appreciation for them taking you through the process so far. That can, that can show a lot about your character. Yeah. Yeah. I also, a perfect example of that is I recently, um, th- there was this company that reached out to me about, uh, a production opportunity they were looking to fill. And, uh, I was like, yeah, this sounds really cool. I would love to be a part of this. And every step of the way, the recruiter that I was interfacing with was like far and above the best recruiter I've ever interacted with in my entire life. Uh, and so I, I, I sent him a, a request on LinkedIn. I was like, 
hey man can i just connect with you because you have made this the most seamless easy process i've ever experienced like like he like he would give me briefs on like here's who you're going to talk to and here are the things they care about and these are the kinds of questions you, they will probably nice. ask right like dude you're really good at your job like i hope to work with you one day because like you're going to make any talent pipeline you're a part of awesome that's great and people love to yeah. hear that, that that they did a good job yeah. and that they helped you right like anytime i help someone i love to hear that like that's it's mm-hmm. such a good feeling yeah, that's awesome. All right. So we're at about the halfway point right now. I okay. want to switch. About the, about the halfway point of my glass. So that's 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 nice. Good. There you go. <laughs> I want to switch gears just a little bit. I've got some questions that I call the dev round. And I ask okay. all of my guests these questions. And uh, I just want to run through. I've got four of them here. And I want to see what you think. All right. All right. First question. What is your favorite game of all time and why? so tough um <laughs> of all time like if i was like you get to play one game and then you're gonna die afterwards what's that game gonna be i mean if my life is on the line what's the longest game um, <laughs> nice <laughs> no uh maybe so i have i have like a real answer and then like a cop-out answer okay um my, my cop-out is is dungeons and dragons Okay. Because like you can play that indefinitely. See, and like you can my mind goes the same with... kind of place. I'm like, what what can I what can I get the most enjoyment out of for the longest yeah. time? I got you. That's the desert island game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um but like if you're if you're talking like real like video game, mm-hmm. um, I would say probably Skyrim. Okay. Uh, or something within Elder Scrolls for sure, but probably Skyrim. It just Man, I went on like a a hike in the Tetons recently and I I came back and immediately wanted to play Skyrim for for hours just because like hiking through the mountains and yeah. Yeah. It's uh, something about that game like even even the quiet moments are still breathtaking and wonderful and and it is and one really of the good. the most enjoyable games I've ever played just to explore. Yeah. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. It's got it's got a really good sense of pacing in an open world, which is really hard to achieve. Yep. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. Okay. Next question. When did you first feel like you had made it in game development? I still don't feel that way. <laughs> That's an okay answer. I like. <laughs> Why don't you I've feel that way? On, I've worked on like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and Monopoly and now Halo and. I'm still like, am I part of this yet? Like, am I actually in? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the way that I like to think about that question is at what, po- at what point did you not fear of losing your job? And by that, I mean, you knew you could find work. Oh, you know what I mean? Um, I think, yeah, for, for that one, it would be after we shipped lord of the rings uh at scientific games and that game blew up and did really well um and and like the feedback that i was receiving from people like after that that game shipped uh i was like i I could i think i can find work if i need to yeah yeah it might not have been like the moment it shipped and like that was all happening but like somewhere in that realm 
Yeah, it, it's yeah. a big deal when you when you're not because the the industry is so volatile, right? Like we never know when a company's going to shut down or there's going to be layoffs or whatever. And when you get to the point where you feel like, you know what, I can probably find work relatively quickly. That's that's a that's a real good feeling. That at least that's yeah. what I what I feel is made it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I guess I don't know. I need to think about what made it means to me now. Right, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go have a an existential moment after this. <laughs> that's all good, man. Yeah. You, if nothing else, you can uh, jump in the Discord later and tell us what you think about that down the road. <laughs> sure. All right, so next, what advice would you give to someone who's looking for their first job in the industry? Um, I would say don't be too picky. Okay. Um, that, uh, you know, dream, dream jobs are rare and focus on uh, being of service first, mm. right? Help somebody out first before you even think about asking somebody to help you. I like it. Yeah. All right. Now, this one is a fun question. Okay. If you were born in the year 1870, what kind of job or career do you think you would have? Ooh. Actually, okay, 1870? Mm -hmm. I think I might be a luthier. What is that? I, <laughs> I don't it's know what that somebody is. Who makes, it's somebody who makes... Uh, string-based uh instruments oh oh okay okay gotcha yeah i, th I think i would like because th there was there was some wild stuff happening in woodworking in 1870 uh <laughs> at, it, with um with the way guitars were beginning to get constructed and it wasn't until like i think 1892 where like what we know as the modern acoustic guitar where that shape uh of the body was really defined Wow. So a lot of people were playing around with stuff, trying to figure out how to make that work and messing with different plies. And I know way too much about, about this, but Dude, yeah, this is I, great. I would, a, <laughs> I would be a luthier. I think I, now I'm now I'm really, we're going to talk about this later too, because I, sure. I'm curious a little bit more about this one. That's funny. Yeah. Huh. All right. All right. That's the questions. That was, that was a good set. I like that. All right. So, we got to your second job. Tell us a little about what you did there. You said, so that was through a friend you got there. Yeah. What was that, so that one was, like? That was Design Interactive. Um, I So while I was there, I worked on a bunch of stuff. Um, some, of, some of the cooler things that I got to work on. Well, let's let, before we get to that stuff, um, my day-to-day my -day was very much like helping uh, facilitate research. And so collecting data, uh, analyzing data, um, working with, uh, research leads and, and project managers and, and whatnot, trying to figure out answers to questions that, uh, were being asked by, you know, either the air force or office of naval research or, uh, you know, any, any government agency, you name it, mm -hmm. pick an acronym. We probably helped them. Um, and so, uh yeah that that led to some cool opportunities to to work on there's this thing called a it's it if you look it up on youtube it's aries sand table it's a augmented reality sand table that uh dignitas was the lead um i think it was dignitas they were like the lead developer on it okay uh, and it's basically like a sandbox with a projector over top of it and you can like manipulate terrain 
to get an understanding of uh oh hey there's a uh, a rainstorm coming in and like we have these overhead maps like let's run a simulation on this sand table to figure out you know what kind of uh supply lines that might cut off for us or um what you know what what is going to be our visibility moving through this area um so that you could kind of see those things in in more of a real environment without getting into the field where people could get hurt okay um so that was really cool we worked on some stuff for veterans uh which i was proud of uh, it was the imcom it was uh basically like a a watch that you would wear that would tell you um it, it would keep track of uh not heart rate technically but we, we used uh perfusion to as an allegory for for heart rate because okay. they're so connected um and you know we could get an idea of like hey it seems you know at this time of day every day you're getting really amped up and you're you're having uh, a high degree of, uh, of of tension and anxiety what's going on there and some people would be like oh i'm working out it's like that makes sense okay some people would be like oh uh i'm passing by this area um and then you can hop on google maps and oh oh this area okay like i can see why given your experience in the military why this might be triggering for you or, okay. and, and it was it was a really cool way to help veterans work through ptsd and then it ended up being farmed out to to work on anger management as a whole which was really cool nice yeah um we we, we worked on a bunch of different stuff uh there um but yeah that that was that was the second job okay so or, what a uh, job yeah <laughs> nice <laughs> you know i've got a i've got a fourth shot i've been taking shots while you've been talking and I've got number four ready to go here. But before I do that, uh, mm -hmm. what, so how long were you at that job? Uh, how long were you, and it, so, so really we're talking about your first couple of things were more sim focused, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so how long were you at this second job? Um, I was there a year and in that year I worked on like 24 projects. That's, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Like, like people don't understand how like, you can at some studios that have a lot of things going on or smaller projects or a lot going on, you can get your hands into a lot of stuff and build a resume pretty quick at the right place. Yep. Yep. Yeah. For the longest time, my, my resume was just that. And it was like half a page. Mm-hmm. I believe it. So as that, what, what happened that ended up you leaving this place? Did you find another gig or did they shut down? No, they're, I mean, they're still in business. Um, I didn't feel like uh, I, it was one of those things that that was the position that I was in where I was like, I think there could be more done here from the project management side of things. And I'd like to step into that. And they're like, no, we, we can't afford to lose you as a research associate. And I was like, okay, well, if you're <laughs> can not, you afford to lose me entirely? It, yeah, that was kind of the, <laughs> kind of where that went. Yeah, uh, yeah and I, I ended up working uh, in financial tech after that as a business analyst, um, doing kind of B two B invoicing stuff for uh, for like different companies and businesses and, and stuff to try and. Uh, we, we, we had like a platform that we used to facilitate 
just all that transactional data and all that all that information. Mm. And so it it was really cool because it it was an opportunity to learn more about uh, finance and why when you go to deposit a check on your phone it takes three days to hit your account and and understand more about that world as a whole. Okay. Uh, so that that was really interesting, but uh, I, I think I was there for like three months, four months. Uh, they they thought they were going to get this big deal with Google, and they had like this this thing where they had some kind of tax credit if they you know created a certain number of jobs, yeah. and they kind of fudged the numbers on it. Where like we hired that number of people, but we lost this bid. So now that we've hired all those people, we're going to lay off like sixty percent of our staff. Ooh. Um, and. I, I was already kind of over it. It was very like they're all wonderful people. They're just not my people. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to have discussions about how stocks are performing and how you're what you're doing to manage your portfolio and <laughs> and how the new medical mutual fund from Vanguard is outperforming. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about like some cool new movie or game or? or oh, so you're saying like, like all the conversations were like that? All of everything was finance. Gotcha. Um, and it was cool because like I learned a lot, but it was just very like. That's not enjoyable okay. though, right? Like, yeah. we want to talk about games. You know, like we want to talk yeah. about entertainment. <laughs> At least have a yeah. mix. Like, what do you? But what do you do for fun when you get home? They're like, oh, will I hop on E-Trade? And I'm like, that's not, okay. I get I get how that kind of thing could be fun, but it's, yeah. That's um, a very different kind of person, you know? Yeah, it, it and yeah, that's why I was just like, these aren't my people. <laughs> um, and so, I, like, yeah, I got let go as a part of that. I got let go, on, fortunately, on a Monday. Um and I was like the first one because I think they were just going alphabetically. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and so I had the the biggest lead to because uh-huh. like by Friday, that's when they had let off, let laid off like 60 percent. That's people. really um, weird. That usually all happens at once. Uh, yeah, I think they were like, well, he's brand new. Nobody will notice or think about it. Like mm. we can, can just say that, it I wasn't guess. working out. Um, and I mean, from my perspective, it wasn't because I, I wasn't happy there. But yeah. Um, yeah, and then so f- f- funny story about that though. Uh, when that happened, Will had started working at uh, at Full Cell, taking over or like working alongside Cobalt. I don't know if Cobalt had left yet. Um, but I-, I reached out to Will and I was like, Hey man, like I'm back in the market, let me know if you hear anything. And he was like, Do you want my job? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving to go to Volition, yeah, yeah. He was coming um, to live with me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was like in your basement, right? Yeah. He rented my basement. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, no, I, I was, I'm really grateful to him for that. But yeah, because it made it where I was like, cool. I know what my next gig is. I know where I'm going. Like, went through the interview and took their, did the whole process. Uh, and they were like, yeah, well, you can't start until this date because of all these things. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I've got a, I've got a month paid vacation. Awesome. Nice. Uh, that's great. Yeah, Cause I was, <laughs> yeah, I had to be paid out like my PTO and there were yeah. things within my hiring or my employment agreement with, uh, that FinTech company where it was like, 
they had to pay me a certain amount for a certain amount of time if they laid me off and uh yeah it it just made it i was like cool i get to chill for a month uh and i, I think elder scrolls online had just come out so i just played <laughs> the crap out of that how com- it is so common in our industry whenever someone's like either had his bulk of time off. Usually they're talking about an extended vacation or whatever, or a layoff or something. And you always correlate it with what game did I play during that time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hear that almost every time. I love it. It's either that, or I went on a vacation, right? But it's usually, I played this one game for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That sounds accurate. Yeah. So, okay. So, and for those that don't know, you came to be a career, um, what was, what was your actual title at Full Sail? I think it was career development advisor. Yeah. So you were there to help people find jobs, right? Like you were there to help upcoming grads. I was there to help people kind of chart their path and, and find, uh, their course in life and, and help them pursue whatever that was. Yeah. Right. And so for some people that was hey, I, I just want to run my own studio and, like, make indie games and and not have a boss. And I was like, cool, well, let's You're good to go. talk about how you make that <laughs> viable for any period of time. Yeah. Um, and then uh, it was a lot of, like, reviewing resumes and cover letters, and um, there was a fair amount of, like, having conversations with parents who just didn't get it. Um, there There was a good portion of, like, going to classrooms and being like, Hey, you're going to graduate soon. You need to take this seriously. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It, there's a lot of adulting there, right? Because for a yeah. lot of, a lot of full sale students, they're approaching the first time that they have to be responsible for themselves. And like you, you get the job they've here been here trying to, to get, you know what I mean? And, they don't know how to do that. They've, they've been, they went to high school and now they're in college and now what, (laughs) you know? And, and we don't, in high school, we don't teach basic life skills like we should. We don't teach people how to handle money. We don't teach them how to prepare for the job, like for the workforce. We just give them knowledge. Most of that knowledge is not very helpful either. So (laughs) it's like, when do you learn to be an adult? You know? Yeah, I think I think I only use Pythagorean theorem in in woodworking, which I don't need to do, and in D and D, which I don't need to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the truth is, you learn how to learn, which is great, right? And that's what I tell people yeah. about going through full sale is you're in this industry, especially you're constantly learning. You're learning new tools, new processes, new all kinds of things. So you need to learn how to learn because you're going to be continuing to do it. Don't think when you graduate college you now have the knowledge you need to always do the job. Like that's just not even remotely the case, but there's a lot they've got to figure out. And that last few months, that's a really stressful time, right? Where they're like, I now have to prepare for actually being someone who can take care of myself. And you're there to help try to guide them in that direction. That's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a it's a tough position in a lot of ways, because um, like there's there's like the business side of it, like y- you are trying to collect enough data and enough information to to be able to report accurately to the government and to the accrediting bodies on like, yeah, whether or not the program that you're responsible for should stay open. So like 
that that aspect of it like there's a lot of pressure that you're feeling from that but then at the same time like you just want to help people yeah yeah it's a it's a tough role yeah it it, it is and every person is different too right so you got to learn a lot about them before you mm-hmm. can help them know where they need to go that's that's a lot mm-hmm. i mean i think it, it ultimately made me like a better career professional and a better producer um i now know how to put together a resume like i'll, I'll talk to recruiters and they're like oh, hey, like, send me your resume so that I can, you know, because they're like a third-party recruiter, and they're like, I want to, I just want to read through it and maybe give you some notes on what you should change. And I'm like, you're not going to have notes, but okay. Um, and it, it, it's a little bit arrogant of me to say that, but, like, it's it's at the point where, like, I know how to put that stuff together because I had to help 1,200 people do it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that that's experience, right? And yeah, not only that, but, you know, Learning, like, man, the best managers, the best producers are the people who take the time to understand what the the individual is capable of and what their desires are, what their needs are, right? Like, it's when you can dig that information out of them, you can help them be a better employee in a way that they don't even know that you're capable of helping them with. You know, I never thought about it that way, but that's definitely a thing I do. I, like, in my one-on-ones with people, I dig into, like, it's it's not so much like here's what i need from you this is what i need to see you doing it's that only comes up if if like they're falling short in any right. way which is super rare fortunately for me um most of my conversations are like what do you want to do next what do you want to work on what are the things you want to be doing what are the what are the areas you want to develop in um that way i can keep an eye out when i'm doing you know, resourcing and staffing and, and whatnot that I can then kind of slot those those opportunities in where, hey, this isn't a high visibility thing and you can work on it and there's room for you to fail here. Right. Um, I never thought about doing that as a way of being a good producer. I was just like, well, if they grow and they get better, like the whole team gets better and that means we can do more complicated things. And like, I want to work on the most complicated stuff. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We got a question for you. How do you balance when to do tough love to a team member versus being gentle? I think it depends on the person. Yeah. I think, I think it's less of a, this is a moment for this and more of, this is a person who needs this. Um, cause there's, there's some people who will never respond well to tough love, even if that's the moment for it. Right. Like, yeah. Um, I think you have to you have to get to know your team members and get to have an understanding of um, what their value set is and what the things are that matter to them. And uh, there's a certain element of like how they were raised without you, you can't necessarily ask them about that all the time. Um, but like, you know, once you spending time with people, getting a feel for their quirks and idiosyncrasies and, and understanding like. You know, I I had a team member where, like, I knew if they did a great job, like, they needed an attaboy, but they didn't need, like, a public attaboy. Yeah. And so simply, like, stopping by their desk and, like, dropping off a coffee and just saying, like, hey, thanks thanks for yesterday, man. Like, that was all they needed. And yeah. if I did anything more than that, it would be like, no, 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 I don't want the spotlight on me. Like, this is too much attention. So it's funny. You just described me. 
yeah. because I because I'm an introvert, right? Like, uh-huh. so I don't want necessarily public displays of, of acknowledgement, but I need to hear it. Mm-hmm. So someone just being like, "Hey, the thing you went out of your way for to do was very appreciated." That's that's great. Right? That's that's very very helpful for for me and you know my mental well being. I get it. Everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody, there's there's so many things, and it is. I would argue that it is one of the most difficult things to do as a leader is to like fully understand the needs and desires of your people. But it's one of the most important things that you can do because the more you can really pinpoint what they need and how they feel for fulfilled, mm-hmm. man, like that's, that's what makes happy people. Fulfillment is what makes people happy in their job. Yeah. I mean, I, I I've, it's become just a, a matter of practice that like, if I'm doing, as a producer, you're always going to do like weekly reports to superiors. Um, and, and it's always like this crunchy, like these were our successes. These were our losses. These were our opportunities for whatever. Right. Um, I always uh, end mine with like, these are the rock stars on the team this week. Um, and sometimes, you know, everybody performed as expected. Nobody really went above and beyond. And that's, that's fine. Um, and more often than than not though there's at least like one person who really stood out who really did something special uh and so i'll call out who that person is what they did uh and then i let their manager know and then i let them know um and it's just like a hey i i gave you a shout out in my weekly report like thank you for doing this this particular thing nice yeah and that's and, and knowing that that's something they appreciate is important too right because there could mm-hmm. be a situation where you're like, you know what? They probably don't want me to send this email about them, but I'm going to go tell them instead, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, every, every time that I've gotten back to somebody with the, thank you for doing this particular thing. It really helped out. Uh, I have, it has always been some kind of positive response. It's been, this was a really rough week. Thank you. I needed to hear that. Or, Thanks, man. Like, I, I feel like I've been doing really good. Like, it's it's good to hear that back to yeah. know that I'm not just in my head thinking I'm doing okay. But, like, yeah. No, that's great. So, what... Okay, so, are we currently on job three? I might have lost like track. Like, four? Yeah. Because um, <laughs> I, I did... While I was working at Full Sail, I was also helping um, some, some folks out they were also at full sale. They were trying to do like an indie startup studio thing. Um, and initially I was like, Oh, I'll do audio for that. Cause I never get a chance to do audio for anything. And then it was like, Oh, but Hey, you don't have these things in place. And they're like, Oh, well you can do those. I'm like, sure. I'll, I'll do that stuff. Uh, and that kept happening over and over until I was like, honestly, at this point I'm a producer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that, that was very much like unpaid passion projects. We, we were trying to make a thing happen and constantly losing people because they get poached by somebody else in the industry. Who's working in the space that would have been our competitor if we ever managed to launch. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so it, 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 that one just kind of like fizzled. Um, so yeah, like that's why I'm like kind of three, kind of four. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point did you decide that you were ready to move on from full sale? Like what, 
what was kind of that catalyst for you or what was your thought process there? Uh, it w- it was a very distinct moment where, um, that an opportunity had opened up, uh, where I could have stepped up and, and moved, uh, up within the organization. Okay. I made it known I was looking for that. I, I was, I don't think I could have been less vocal. Um, and, uh, I had been passed over somebody or passed over in favor of somebody who had more, um, they had more work experience within the organization and they, the, the argument or whatever was that, well, they, they've, they know full cell more than you do. And I was like, I was a student. They were not, I think I know full cell plenty. Well, like I've been on both sides of this coin. Um, and just seeing that, like I was, I, I felt like I wasn't being taken seriously and I wasn't being seriously considered, uh, for opportunities. And I was like, okay, well, here's where I start applying and, and looking elsewhere because I, I, I was just feeling like the advancement opportunities that I would want were not going to be there for me. Not, yeah. not at the pace that I was looking for. Yeah. That's, that's an important thing to understand. And it's easy to get hurt in that moment. Right. And, you know, but at the same time, you've got to be realistic of if you feel like this is a thing you were, you really wanted to do and, mm-hmm and you felt like you were qualified for it and you don't see that advancement coming anytime soon, that's probably a great time to do what you did. Right. Which is like, mm-hmm. what are the other, op- where can, where else could I go to find the thing that I'm looking for? Yeah. Yeah. And I applied, uh, I applied to scientific games for like the fifth time, I think. Ooh. Um, I'm yeah. really and glad then, you said that. Let, let's let's yeah. dwell on that for one moment. Sure. Because, yeah. Let's get into that. Well, because I I constantly asked, what do I do if I apply to something and they say no, or if I don't hear back? You applied five times. I love this. Tell tell me mm-hmm. a bit about was it the same roles? Like like what was that like? And then why did the fifth time change? Uh, so the first time was coming out of grad school. Uh, I, I applied and that, that was the one that I thought I was going to get it. And then they went with the intern, which, yeah, I mean, totally makes sense. I can't fault them for making that call. Um, and like this, the like second and third time. So that, that was for like associate producer. Second and third time was, uh, for like program manager, something, something like that, I think. Um, and then it was like that and an opportunity in marketing. Um, and then the fourth time it was to like just a regular producer position. And then the fifth time was to a senior producer position. Um, and it it was just one of those, like, uh, I had, I had uh, somebody who worked there who had done really well there in my corner. Um, that, that, honestly, that was part of why I wanted to go work there is because um, uh, Eric had seen tons of advancement and career growth. And like, we were friends from grad school and uh, I was like, cool. Like this, for, like your experience is a very positive one. It seems like this company takes, uh, takes care of its people and, and looks to, push people to the front if they're doing well and, and is very 
very much a meritocracy, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's why I kept applying is because I was seeing that from here, from his experience, uh, kind of secondhand. Um, and every time he was always like in my corner rooting for me. Uh, and then the, the fifth time I applied, it, it was, uh, I reached out to him and I was like, Hey man, like I'm thinking about trying to apply to production again. Like I wrote this white paper on how to, you know, how to do some stuff that I've, I'm doing in production. Like, can you give it a once over and is, am I on the right track? Am I off base? Uh, and he like, he read it over, uh, told me this all looks good that I should apply. And here's the position and like gave me the job ID and I did the referral thing and all that. Um, and then what he didn't tell me that I found out once I started going through the inter interview process was that he took that white paper to his boss and was like, hey, remember that guy that I keep telling you you should hire? Here's why you should hire him. And like slid that white paper across the desk. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, OK. It's, he seems to know things and, and understand production a little bit. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> And it, and it was like a white paper for like Gama Sutra too. So it was just like somewhat credible platform yeah. with, yeah. Um, not to say that Gama Sutra isn't, but like, I don't know. It's not like project management monthly or something, right? Right, right, right. But it is yeah, relevant. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So I, I love that though. Um, so, so the one, I guess the one caveat to this is you did have a... A, a cheerleader there, right? Like someone who was mm -hmm. in, in your corner, which is you and I would always recommend is the best way to go about it. Right. Like that's, yep. you definitely want a connection. You want some kind of, you know, someone helping you get in there. But I, I think it's really important to understand that just because you've applied somewhere, like every, every position in every moment is different. And the need of that team, because they're posting a position, maybe at the time they had someone better, but now this position is here even if you've applied a hundred times, this could be the time. Don't, don't feel like you're overloading your resume somewhere. Mm -hmm. Cause like the people that need to see it may have never seen it, you know? Well, yeah. And, and the guy that, uh, ended up being my boss there. Um, he, he remembered me from the first time that I interviewed there years ago mm -hmm. and, and interviewed with him again. And like, I was like, oh, hey, like, I don't know if you remember me. He's like, yeah, I remember you like this game and you played this thing and you did this. And I was like, yep. OK, so you do remember <laughs> you me. Do remember me. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, it, somebody said this in the chat earlier because we were talking about how to make yourself memorable. They said people probably remember you more than you think they do. And, yeah. And I, I think that's probably that's true. When, when someone gets to the, the interview process, the truth is we don't interview that many people. You know what I mean? Like we can probably remember the bulk of them because by the time it gets to the people that are doing the interviewing, it's gone through so many other people that have looked at it and made sure it gets down to, to the, those of us that are helping to really make a decision. So it's, you know, we're probably, yeah, we're probably going to remember or at least a little bit or we could get reminded. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's very much like a, uh, yeah, I think when I when I was hiring, you know, engineers, 
I would be looking to fill like three positions and talk to five people, right? Yeah. It's a really small candidate pool by the time it gets to the hiring manager. Exactly. It's like that initial, that initial push is usually people that don't even really understand what is being looked for. You know, it's an HR rep. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. a recruiter, but often it's like, they're looking for keywords in your resume. They're looking to match things up. Or they have software that does that for them. Yep. It never, yeah, yeah, it doesn't even get to someone until it's gone through an algorithm of some kind. So like, you know, and that's the thing that you talked about earlier that I loved was, you know, the tailoring your resume to fit the position and, and definitely like every cover letter should be written from you to that studio about that position. But mm-hmm. resume specifically, they're, they're looking for keywords. They're looking for things that match up for what the team has said. This is what we need. So that's what they're going off of. Yep. Yeah. And especially in like enterprise level organizations where like every position is boilerplate that was determined five years ago by a, a committee yeah. that sat in a room <laughs> and said, somebody at this level needs to have these things. Right. And then they talk to the team and they're like, well, what do you need? And they're like, like half of that. Right. Yeah. Well, we need these other two things that aren't on there. <laughs> that's always a really interesting thing. Uh, that's why I yeah. think it's good when companies have an actual recruiter or working with one, because that person generally can kind of decipher that for them and be like, no, th- this is what you're looking for. This person has that. Here's why they have it. You should talk to them. And that's, you know, that, that can make a, make your break in some cases, whether or not you get that shot. So, all right. So now you've, you've got the scientific games mm-hmm. and, and this is a, this is a big move for you because now you're, you're doing more game stuff mm-hmm. instead. Of, and this is, they do casino stuff, right? Is it exclusively casino and gaming stuff? It's it's exclusively gambling stuff. Yeah. So if you can legally gamble in it with it on it, they have a hand in that space. Uh, so they do like, they also do like mobile slots, but that's not like, it's a gambling experience, but you can never cash out. And there's, right. there's still the same kind of like regulations and stuff around that. It's just a little bit more loose because it, you're not playing with real money. Right? right, right. So it is structured the same way. I didn't realize that. Uh, largely. Yeah. Okay. There's, there's some nuance there, but yeah. Okay. So when you, you get your first, you know, you're there for the first day, first week, whatever, what, what is kind of the first thing they, they hand you and say, this is what we want you to do. Do you remember? Um, yeah, I remember the very, so like week one was very much like, I just want you to shadow Mm -hmm. and learn. Uh, and then week two was, okay, here's your two projects. Um, you're going to run these now Two, and you ran them. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) right away. Here are two projects that you are going to run. Um, they were desert cats in Egypt, uh, were my first two games from there. And, uh, like the other, like the, the guy that I was reporting to at the time, um, he stayed around and kind of hung around in the background and would like attend meetings, but he didn't, he didn't step into anything. He was like, Nope, these are yours. You're running them. Like you should be able to do this. If you're, if we hired a producer, you should produce. Yeah. Um, which was great. Uh, I loved that kind of sink or swim environment. Um, but yeah, I, I was given two right off the bat. And then in a couple months, those were going well and there weren't major issues. And I was accurately calling out what risks were and, uh, you know, 
accurately reporting on when our dates, what our dates were going to be and saying, this has slipped, you know, this number of weeks and here's why, and this is when we're going to launch. And um, I built enough trust that they gave me a third project uh, and eventually, and the, the third project was like National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> um, I love that. It's one of my yeah. favorite movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't remember what I worked on after that, but it, 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 it was very much like a cool, we're going to give you more things and yeah. you're, you keep doing well. So here's more things. Um, what was the most number of projects you had going at one time? 15. Oh, Jesus. All right. Yeah. That 15 let's, was the most that I had at any one time. All right. Let's break um, that down a little bit. How, how do sure. you, how do you split your time among that many projects? Um, so I would consolidate, uh, fortunately at that point I was, I was in like a studio head type position. So I was able to dictate the team's calendar to a large extent. Okay. Um, uh, so I would structure meetings so that they occurred on specific days. So we would have like, I think it was like Wednesday, Thursday were meeting days. Um, and then Monday, Tuesday for the team were get shit done days. Uh, for me, it was other meetings, but more business side stuff, less project focused stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Friday was all about reporting. Uh, so capturing everything that had happened that week, that quarter, that month, whatever. Uh, and, 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 getting a summary out to uh, VPs and SVPs and the CEO and all, all kinds of different folks. Right. Um, There was a, a a high degree of delegating, understanding what I needed to own and what I wanted to own and realizing when there was a conflict there and, and being able to, to say, I don't need to own this despite me wanting to. I think I should give this to so-and-so who I feel like can own it and can do so responsibly and can do so effectively because like, you don't want to set anybody up for failure, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it helped having uh, another producer that I could I could be like, hey, this is your project. You're running it. I'm here in the background. I, I'm just here for support. Uh and, you know, we'd have like our weekly meeting and sometimes we'd come out of that and she'd have questions and I would answer them and we'd have like little training moments or, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was a lot though. Uh, yeah. The end. yeah. What, um, what was your day like as far as were you having to put in a bunch of extra hours to manage that workload? Like what, what, what was that like no. for you? Uh, so I would... I put a lot of tools and systems in place to automate things for me. Okay. Um, so we, we had Confluence and we had Jira. And uh, if you understand just a little bit of JQL, you can automate a ton of reporting on like uh, test execution percentage and, um, you know, what, what your dates are and how, like what the health of a sprint is and, uh, a lot of those things, right? So I, I was able to automate a lot of the reporting and a lot of the, the deep dive kind of stuff that I, I needed to do by Friday every week. Um, I uh, We had some, some pseudo-automated systems in place where, uh, you know, when, when we updated the build, we had a system for, like, patch notes um, 
yeah, it, it, the my day to day was very much uh, like stand ups in the morning to just assess like, is there are there any fires I need to jump on right now? And then uh, occasionally there would be like one or two things that I would have to address immediately. Usually it was like, well, this needs to get addressed this week. I will get conversations going and make sure that like the right people are talking to each other. Um, and then the rest of the day would be conversations with QA and art and engineering and making sure that uh, they're all, the, all on the same page about things. Um, there would be a lot of discussions with uh, our, our VP of game development. And, and by discussions, I mean like I pop into his office for 30 seconds and I'm like, hey, so we got these three games. The way I'm prioritizing is this, this, this. That that cool? And he's like, swap the bottom two. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then like, just dash out, right? Um, <laughs> so like, all all of my conversations became like five minutes. Like, I can give you five minutes. Any more than that, like, I don't have time for you. Um, and so I got really good at like being efficient with mm. with those kinds of discussions and conversations. Um, it was a lot of yeah, I mean, it, lots of emails, lots of Slack, lots of uh, managing multiple communications, uh, lots of the the way that I, and, and this is probably not the best way to do it, but the way that I ended up approaching like Jira and managing a backlog was I would put in a bunch of tasks that I thought would work. Um, and then I would have the meeting with the team and only for like 30 minutes and it would be very focused and like, okay, let's go. We need to understand all this. Uh, let's run through this real quick. Does all this make sense? Do I need to replace anything? And I would have, you know, a couple engineers say, Hey, can you rephrase this so that I know what it means? Like, can you say this instead? Um, and like, I wouldn't do the whole, Hey, we're going to vote on story points. I would, I, I, at that point I had a good enough understanding of how complicated something would be. I could assign story points and then I could ask for corrections and maybe 25% of them got changed. Um, so that, that was kind of where I had gotten to. There was also a lot of like working with, because in that industry, there's a like the math, you're, you're trying to make math fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And so there's a lot of discussions with mathematicians and, and understanding, uh, yeah, a lot of it was just trying to understand what does it take for you to do this? Mm. Uh, was like basically my daily goal. Like, hey, there's a request. What does it take? Uh, and then if what it takes doesn't line up with when it needs to be done by, okay, well, that's not going to work. Is there another way we can approach this? Like, how can we say yes to this request? Okay. If we can't, we need to let them know. Um and if we can, but we got to do some weird shit, we need to let them know. Okay. Uh, so that was that was kind of how I approached it. Um, yeah. And then quarterly, I would do swim lanes and roadmap and stuff like that to figure out, okay, for the next two to five years was usually when I was looking out, uh, what is every individual in the studio working on? Okay. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit about... The, and this is something I have no experience in. So I'm, I'm literally asking this for myself as well as the benefit of others. When you're designing a casino game, mm -hmm. what is your goal? 
What what when you come out and you say we made a good game? What does that so mean? So there's there's the the industry that industry uh, is very focused on coin in right, and so like old arcade right like getting yeah. quarters in the slot right yeah exactly yeah and so um, there there are some metrics that matter uh, so there's uh, house average um, are you above or below what and and, and it, it's problematic to use as a number because when a bunch of games do really well the house average raises and so a game that is performing well will fall below the average it's a problematic number but house average is one um and so that's all the games within that casino there's zone average so all the games within its pocket how does it compare against the rest of those um coin in so just pure how much did it make this day uh how many how many dollars went into this machine this day um man i'm trying to remember there's some other ones that are are interesting uh the the we had certain thresholds we had to maintain so one is rtp return to player uh that is okay a hundred dollars go in 87 dollars come back out to the player over you know the course of a day uh like we we had to maintain those numbers to stay within uh like to be legal right Right. to be within regulations and stuff um which is where the math comes in and why that's so heavily tested and so important um but yeah like uh time on device was a big one uh so they would compare coin in with time on device to kind of determine success of something so if it's got a low coin in but a high time on device like is that something people want on their floor? Right. Is it not? Like that might be a good, that might be a good machine for a bar, but maybe not great for like a casino. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it was a lot of kind of looking through those and then trying to manipulate the math to, to go towards higher coin in. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Re- real quick, we got a question from old boy and, and I know that there's a very specific answer to this and i want you to touch on a little bit he's like i imagine they probably have to make odds somewhat questionable i know i I know loosely that there's like in order for it to be legal you have to like have certain percentages of payouts and things like that that have to happen right like there's some kind of guidelines that you legally have to work within right can you talk a little bit about how that works at least basically yeah so um the there, there's like a threshold for an uh, an edge case that like you can ignore, and that is one in one billion games. So if one in one billion instances of you pressing the spin button at any given wager, uh, if this thing occurs within that likelihood, it has to it has to be within the odds that are set by law and set by regulators. It has to be within uh, the the rules and regulations, and it has to you know, cross every T, dot every every I, be be perfectly legal, right? If it falls outside of that, uh, then it's okay if it doesn't follow that that law or regulation to the letter, but it still has to favor the player. Okay. Yeah, and so, um, and then the edge case for, like, it doesn't really matter is one in 100 billion. So if something falls that far outside of the likelihood of happening, that it's more than one in 100 billion chances of, or 
odds of occurring, um, then you can be like, well, yeah, but this will never happen. Um, but yeah, even even one in one billion, it's like, okay, yeah, but it still has to be to the benefit of the player if if that defect's going to go out the door. So okay. it's it's a really intensely regulated uh, area of of I don't know the economy. Right. Um, how how do you prove that? Like, how do you show regulators? Man, this thing is like like I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like I don't understand how that works at all. Yeah, so there's a few things that we, so the mathematicians put together. Um, so we have mathematicians that put together like the formulas and the algorithms and, and the, the pay distributions and all that. Right. Uh, and it comes out in like kind of like an XML type file um, that, that kind of gets plugged into the, the GDK and, and kind of works from there. But it's, so there's like that file itself. There's the massive Excel spreadsheets that have all the distributions and, and math and percentages and all that. Um, and then there's the, uh, and, and then we have like a math test group that goes through and like runs emulations and simulations to validate that all of that performs accurately against what it's supposed to be. Like mathematician says, like it should be this. Like, here's your ninety-seven percent RTP game, um, with you know two bonuses, and here's how the EV breaks out between those. Uh, and then math test goes in, and then and they verify that, and they say like, okay, cool, but this bonus hits, you know, point zero zero one percent too often, and so it pays slightly higher than that. You need to go and adjust this so that it accurately reflects what you're trying to okay. to send out the door. Um, and then it gets to the regulators, and then they go through and test everything again. Uh, it's like a six weeks, uh, six week long test and evaluation process to make sure that everything's above board uh, with the regulator once you ship it out the door. So it's so that's when it's and done. Right? That's like... when it's done. It's another six weeks with wow. them, and and that's assuming you get everything right. If they send back any issues, you restart that clock. Man, yeah. All right. And you're paying them to do all that work for you too. Uh, so, <laughs> of course <yeah>. you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. So, just a heads up, we've only got ten minutes left, so we're definitely going to have you come back on because we haven't even gotten to your current work at all yet. Sure. And yeah. I still have more questions about this. So, yeah. So, just to prep you, we're going to need to find some more time. Okay. But I have I have a question. I'm not sure if you can answer this question or if there is an answer to this question. But next year, I'm finally going to get to go on my honeymoon, okay? Okay. We're going on a cruise. And we know that there's gambling machines in them cruises, right, on them mm -hmm. ships. Yep. As a player, is there anything I should look for to give me an advantage at all? Like, is there anything like that? No. Uh, uh, cruises are one of the worst places to gamble. They <laughs> Great. Have they have the <laughs> they have the lowest RTP uh, of any uh, regulated market. But you can't and... go anywhere else, right? Like you have to gamble. Yeah, there. exactly. <laughs> you're you're held captive. You want to gamble? You got to do it here. Um. So yeah, I I would. Yeah, I mean, it. it I, I would say if you are looking for a type of experience, I could guide you there. But in okay. terms of like, if you're looking for 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 winnings or earnings, like there's. It, it, it's rolling dice, right? Like that, I can't tell you which die to pick. 
to roll a, a natural 20, right? Yeah. Um, All right. So in that in that regard, like I can't give you any advice. If you're looking for a very high volatility game, I can kind of steer you in a direction. But yeah. All right, man. I was hoping you'd be like, "Yo, look for this there's, machine." There's no, there's no <laughs> secrets. There's no tricks. There's no. It's so intensely regulated. Like nothing like that has any hope of existing. And if there is one, you can call me later and tell me what it actually <laughs> is. Like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it, honestly, like, it, it's so intensely regulated, I can't, like, while I was working there, it was illegal for me to win the jackpot on one of our games. Oh, really? For a competitor's game. Ah, uh, because you work in the industry? Like... Yeah. It just, it just, bad optics. Purely okay. yeah, bad. Like, nothing sure, else. It sure. was, that, that's why they made it illegal. It's not a good look. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like insider well, trading, it creates, right? It, like... it creates too much opportunity for, for you to pursue... Like, oh, if I can uh, mess with things and go do whatever, like, then I can go try to win the jackpot. It's like, no, it's illegal for you to win the jackpot. You win the jackpot, you're fired immediately. Yeah. Oh, man, we just got a barley treat redeemed, and I'm out. I'm going to have to go grab one here in a second. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but, so, actually, I'm going to go do that, but I want to ask you a question to answer while I'm doing that. Sure. Tell us, is there a moment that you can think of during your time uh, at Scientific Games that, that like stood out to you as a really cool or a really stressful moment in particular? I mean, I've got both. Uh, we, got, I was, we got 10 minutes, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll be right back. I'm going to go so, grab this. Sure. Um, while, while you go grab that, I'll, I'll talk through this. Um, I I was working... Uh, so there's there's four studios in the Chicago uh, office, and uh, I had we we had acquired the license for for James Bond, which was a huge deal, was really cool. Um, but I saw the amount of pressure and the amount of like attention that the James Bond license was getting, and so I was like, I don't want to work on James Bond. Like, yeah, that sounds really cool, but I don't want to touch that. Like. There's way too many eyes on that right now. Uh, and uh, one of the studios ended up picking two James Bond games up. Uh, and they they were struggling with one, let alone having a second. And so uh, we we ended up taking the second game from them. And then shortly after we took the second game from them, uh, my buddy who had just been promoted to lead and, and was currently in charge of the studio uh, and another studio, he'd been in that position for like six weeks. He quit to go work at Level X. Oh, man. Uh, and so now suddenly I'm the most senior producer in the studio responsible for the most expensive IP the company has ever owned. And the game needs to go out in six months and we don't have a design or <laughs> anything to work from. Uh, and it's, and like that all happens like just before Thanksgiving. And I'm like, great. So we're going to go take a long holiday, come back. I have best case scenario, two weeks to get all this shit organized Whoa. so that we can hit the ground running January 4th. <laughs> cool. Like, yeah, that, that was like the most exciting, most pressure. Cause it's like, yeah, it's James Bond. Like, this is huge. This is going to be 
like the biggest thing I think I've ever worked on at that point. And yeah, this licensor has proved really difficult and there's a lot of visibility. Like the CEO of the company is getting daily updates on the health of these projects because of how expensive it was to acquire that IP. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not even like full acquisition. It's just licensing it. Right. So it's, it, it, yeah, it was, it was really stressful. Um, but it was still like one of the coolest moments to see the team really come together and pull it off. And like, it is the only project I have ever had and probably will ever have that went, through 100% smooth, no issues. Um, we we didn't have any like weird hiccups in QA. We didn't ha like the team was just firing on all on all cylinders. Nice. Yeah, I don't I don't expect that'll ever happen again. <laughs> it, it was it was too much. It, it was too much perfection. I've I've burned up all my luck. It's all gone. <laughs> well, it seems like it worked out using it there, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so what about the other side of that coin the other side of that coin like the worst experience yeah. i've ever had if you have one i mean i don't want to name names sure but there was a licensor i had the disprivilege of working with uh, <laughs> disprivilege <laughs> i think I think you know who I'm talking about because I think we had this discussion at, at one point in the past. Because you you had some experience with him, I think. Are you realizing who I'm talking about yet? Uh, maybe. Oh wait, I think we talked about this. I yeah, th I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they 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 are the. Like when people say I don't want to work on licensed content, I assume it's because they've worked with this licensor and yeah. like that was their first and only experience. And like, yeah, if that was what I had to go through, I would never want to work on licensed content either. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to be delicate with what I say, uh, but bro broadly speaking, they, um, it, it was, it was just an exercise in power politics. Ah. Like we may as well have been playing diplomacy. Gotcha. Yeah. Or is it diplomacy? The turn-based game where like you all agree on who you're all like different nations during World War Two. Oh, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I'm not sure. Risk. No, that's not that's not that one though. Uh, no, it's not that one. Um, it, I, I think it's diplomacy where like, a turn can take a week. Oh no, I, I'm not sure what game that is. Then I gotta I gotta look this up. Yeah, that's um, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great exercise for. Um, Turn can take a week. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's okay. Yeah, it's diplomacy. Um, all right, is basically this a, a board like, game? You, yeah, it's a board game. You all agree to uh, how long you want a turn to take, like at the start of the game. Uh huh. Um, oh no, I've never played all... this. Say what? I've never played it. Oh man, don't. Do it with people you want to remain friends with. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, Find it's enemies like a very, to play a board game with. <laughs> it's like a very simple hex crawl. Okay. Uh, so you you have um, everybody has like starts with the same number of like resources and, and territory and hexes and everything, and uh, you 
on your turn, like when you get to go, you can decide to move and take over and occupy a space. Um, and if you do that, and you're the only one that does that, that space becomes yours. If it is at all contested, nothing happens. Okay. Um, and that's that's the whole premise of the game. So you have like this big map with with like this hex kind of grid, um, and you can argue about what the goal of the game is, but you you basically have somebody who's adjudicating the rules, uh, or everybody agrees to adjudicate the rules, and there's like, you know, you can take the time to decide who's going to move where, when, and you know what? Hey, I won't move into your territory if you won't move into mine. Uh, let's just make okay. an agreement. Okay. And, um, it it becomes a lot of like there's a lot of backstabbing that happens and a lot of because the like that's the only rule it's just you can move into a space and if it's occupied uh you you take it but if somebody else moves in at the same time like nothing happens right hmm. uh so it really becomes this oh our, the dog has decided to join me nice um, but yeah <laughs> it, it 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 becomes this really crazy intense like. I mean, people get heated over it, um, but if you treat it like power politics, like you'll kill at that game. Um, Interesting. Now yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it's a great exercise for anybody who wants to work in production. Um, to just to understand what it's like to work in power politics, but it is. Uh, like what what that environment looks like and how to navigate it, but um, it's not a good way to keep friends because it gets it gets it feels like it gets personal. Okay, interesting. Yeah, huh. I'm gonna look into that a little bit more. I've got it saved over here now. I love board games. I don't know if you know that, yeah. Already, so yeah, have to check it's a it, it's a really simple one too. And you'll like there there are instances of people like where where they do the thing where like a turn is a week. Um, there's instances where people like draft like declarations of independence and like, we are now this sovereign <laughs> state and like, and like people form together, like get together to put together treaties and, uh, create declarations of war. It's like, it gets, it's super fun in, in, in that, like, because you have all this time to noodle and think about things like people get really into it. Man, that sounds yeah. So yeah, that I'd like that kind of thing because now the house rules and stuff allow you to kind of tailor it to the way you want to play, and that's that that can be really fun. I like that. Yeah, I I don't even know if there's house rules. It's just it's just like well, I mean, you talking about like take a take a week to play a turn, right? Like oh I'm sure, sure you know, yeah, like yeah. those how kind of things. Want, how long do you want a, a, yeah. a turn to take? Yeah, I mean, people play it at conventions, uh, and they'll be like, a turn is an hour. Uh, and so, like, they'll have like a clock, like a uh, a stop clock or something that somebody's keeping, and you'll see people like running through the halls with like big <laughs> stacks of paper, and they're like, "Okay, I need these signatures," and like, "Cool, they agreed to do this," and like, "This is what my turn is." Wow. Yeah. I mean, Board Game Geek uh, says that it's a you know thirty three hundred sixty minute game. So just on its base level, that's that's a that's, that's a, a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my, my favorite instance of that, uh, like you can play it where it's like my goal is to try and own the whole map and, and be domineering. Um, my favorite instance of that, though, is where somebody, there was like a group of people, they realized somebody was going to win and they were being a real shithead about it. 
And so everybody else that was playing agreed to like box them in <laughs> and just call a truce <laughs> and like just occupy territory to the extent that they couldn't take over enough of the map. Oh man. And they're like, we're going to end the game there and you don't win. Nobody wins. We have world peace. Take that. Oh man. <laughs> it was, it was great. Oh my gosh. All right. So we, we've actually hit time before we go though. I want to ask you, sure. is it, if people would like to get in touch with you to ask you questions, those kind of things, what's the preferred method? for them to get in touch with you. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the best. Okay. Do you, uh, yeah. do you want to th- actually, if you want to th- throw your link into the chat or send it to me and I can put it in the, the podcast notes later, I'm happy to do I'll that do as both. well. How, how about that? That works. There's also some questions about LinkedIn job messages. Uh, somebody got a job through LinkedIn, so that's good. I've gotten a few. Like I've had a few real opportunities come through LinkedIn rather. Yeah. I, you know, I, I tend to avoid most of those <laughs> just cause they, a it lot de- of them it seem depends on who it's sketchy. coming from. Yeah. 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 Exactly. If it's a random, like new contact reach out, most of those I'm kind of like, and if, and, and if the, the posting has no real information about the company itself and that kind of stuff, those are like, eh, but yeah, if, if it's like stuff. third party recruiter and they're like, I have this awesome opportunity with the company in this area. And it's like, who's the company, right? What's the role? Like, yeah, just give me the basic information up front, please. Yeah. If they're cryptic Um, about it, those ones I ignore. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, man, we did it. We Uh, did. We did, but we've got so much more to talk about. So you and I will connect about finding another time. Uh, and man, I really appreciate you doing this though. There's been a lot of really good stuff here and I am anxious to talk more soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you want, we could keep, um, we had like a round, we had, we had a one scheduled in the future. We could just keep that for round two. Okay. Yeah. I'll look at that and see what that one was. Okay. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely figure that out tonight Cool. or tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but man, thank you so much. I'm going to jump off here and say my goodbyes. Appreciate you for doing this, and we'll talk soon. Cool. Yeah. See ya. All right, man. Later. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. Every Tuesday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media using the links in the show notes and join the Dev Team Discord to be a part of the conversation anytime. We'll see you soon.